Thank you, Katie. Seamless, seamless. I'll let you come in. You should have kept the hat on. That would have been great. It would have been like you here. I think we also need de branded, devoted blowtorches as well. I think that's what we all wanted. That is one way to light a fire. I think we need those, definitely. So, yeah, good to see you. My name's Simon. Lovely to be with you. I've left my poor wife sick at home, Caroline. She's got a coldy, fluey thing that's going around. She rallied herself yesterday to do a jigsaw which gave her energy, but for me, that sucks energy out of me. Anyone else in my, yeah, yeah. Uh, so she is a, a real dissectologist. Ooh, someone who loves jigsaws is called a dissectologist. You learn something new every day, as I did this morning. <laughs> Why don't you just turn to your neighbor and say, are you a dissectologist? Do we have any dissectologists in the house? Anyone? Wave to me if you're a dissectologist. We have a few. Some of you are a bit ashamed. You're ashamed of it. No, don't be ashamed. Loud and proud dissectologists. And you didn't even know you were a dissectologist until today, but you are. Anyway, that isn't why I've come, sorry. Let's open the Word of God together um, and we are going to uh, dive straight in as we look at extraordinary prayer. So we're going to read the words of Jesus, Matthew chapter 6, and this is what he says. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues, which was the religious buildings of his day, where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that's all the reward, the reward they'll ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private then your father who sees everything will reward you when you pray don't babble on and on as the gentiles do the gentiles are the non-jews they think their their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again don't be like them for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him pray like this our father in heaven may your name be kept holy may your kingdom come soon may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Give us today the food we need and forgive our sins as we've forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Amen. Don't you just love Jesus' words? He just cuts through all the rubbish and gives us a real foundation for prayer. You know, our vision of a ch as a church is to see God's kingdom fill the earth, to see every life and every nation transformed by the life of God. Anyone want to see that? <laughs> Amen. That's what we want to see. How do we do that? How do we play our part? Well, we worship God, we love one another, and we multiply disciples, groups, and churches everywhere. That is what we are about. And if you're new, if you're visiting for the baptisms or just new in general, general we're going to zoom in on that first one to worship God and prayer is such a key to worshiping God Jesus says in Matthew 6 verse 5 when you pray and he repeats it a number of other times when you pray when you pray what's the point the point is as a follower as a disciple of Jesus that's what that word means we are called to pray <laughs> It's not an if you pray, it's a when you pray. He's calling us, he's inviting us to pray. There's an assumption. Here's what some uh, famous people have said, Christians have said across the years about prayer. Ian Bounds, God shapes the world by prayer. The more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be, the mightier the forces against evil. D.A.T. Pearson, there has never been a spiritual awakening in any country or locality that did not begin in united prayer. 
Billy Graham, to get nations back on their feet, we must first get down on our knees. <laughs> love that. And then Corrie ten Boom, I love this one. Prayer is the window that God has placed in the walls of our world. Leave it shut and the world is a cold, dark house. Throw back the curtains and see his light streaming in. <laughs> wow. We are called as followers of Jesus to pray. We need to know how to pray. And Jesus in this passage gives us six keys to prayer, six foundational keys to prayer uh, we're going to look at together. The first one is this, the motive for prayer. And we're just going to read it through verse by verse. The motive for prayer. Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners, in the synagogues where everyone else can see them. I tell you the truth, that is, the reward they'll, that is all the reward they'll ever get. So Jesus is commenting on some of the people of his day who loved to be seen praying. They thought that it gave them profile. It gave them stature for others to see how long they could pray and how religiously they could pray and how many verses of Scripture they could pray, how many verses of the Bible they could recite. They, they just loved to be seen to pray. They loved it and they thought that it gave them profile and stature in that way. Anyone been in a prayer meeting with somebody who prays like that? <laughs> Don't want to admit it to you. <laughs> But for honestly, for, 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 for most of us, probably we're the other end. We don't like to hear people hear us pray. We are in a group of people who are praying together perhaps, and, and, and our thought is, oh, um, I'll get the words wrong, I won't quote the Bible right, I'll, I'll make a mistake, I'll stumble, I just, won't, I won't, I just don't want to, you know, when there's an opportunity to pray at the front uh, in a service, you're like, there is no way in hell I'm going down there. <laughs> there's just no way I'm going down there to pray. You're, you're, you don't want to be heard to pray. Anyone more like that end? <laughs> so the point is this, Jesus is speaking actually to two groups and he's saying this, who's your audience? Who is your audience? Who's your audience? Who is your prayer for? I remember the first time I ever prayed in a public uh, meeting. I was 10 years old. It was a crossover service. We were praying in the new year. And I was at the back and I felt my heart pounding. And I thought, I I've got a prayer. I want to pray. And I thought, no, I can't. I've never prayed before. And it was like 100 adults in the room. I'd never, prayed. I'd never prayed with my family. I'd never prayed anywhere before. I just wanted to pray. And so from the back, I gave a squeaky prayer. God, do something. I can't even remember what I prayed. And... It was a moment. I remember the fear. I remember the pressure on that moment. And then someone in, on the leadership of the church knew a reporter. And so a few days later, in the local newspaper, it was, the headline was, 10-year-old praise in the new year. <laughs> and there was a little article about my prayer, which was so random. Even now it's random. Even then it was random. My first public prayer was in the local newspaper. <laughs> but I remember, I remember the fear of that moment. I remember... The fear of praying in public for the first time. This is what Jesus is saying. Pray to be known by God, not to be known by people. Pray to be known by God, not to be known by people. Get your motive right. Whether your issue is fear or whether it's pride, it all has the same root. Actually, your audience is the wrong people. <laughs> If your audience is not primarily the people around you, and as we'll see, he's not, he's not about not praying with groups of people. That's encouraged elsewhere in the Bible, but he's saying primarily your audience is who? God himself. Get your motive right. So when you're like me, shaking and, and thinking, I can't pay in front of these other, you know, there may be two or three or four of you thinking, I can't possibly do it. Get your motive right. Who's your audience for? It's not for these people around you. It's for God. And when you're thinking, man alive, that was a great prayer. That was an awesome prayer that I've just prayed. 
Get your motive right. Who's it, who's it for? It's not for these people. God knows the Bible better than you anyway. He's not going to be impressed by long words and rambling prayer. No, no, no. He is focused on you connecting with him, with others. So the motive of prayer is so key, the first key. The second key, the source of prayer. When you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, pray to your father in private, then your father who sees everything will reward you. Now, Jesus was not against praying in public. He, that wasn't what he was saying here, because elsewhere we see him praying in a group of people. So he wasn't against it at all. But what's his point? Your public prayer should be the fruit of your private prayer. So he's saying the first priority is you and your father. And he's saying, go, he's, the actual verse says, go into your room. And it's an interesting word that Jesus used for room there, because we have to understand houses in their day were very different to houses today. For example, they had no glass. So the windows had no glass in them. The doors mostly did not have locks. In fact, probably in most houses, there was only one room in the house that had a lock on it, which was the tamion, the storeroom in the inner side of the house. It had no windows. It was a secure place. It was the place where you kept all the valuables, kept the food. It was in the tamion, in the storeroom. So what's Jesus saying? I think it's a little play on words. Go to the storeroom and meet your father. Go into the storeroom and meet your father. Elsewhere, he sends his disciples out and he sends them out and he says, don't take a money bag with you. Don't take a purse. Don't take any provisions. And when they come back, he says, did you have everything you needed? They're like, we did. Elsewhere, later on, he tells them to go with money and provisions. But on the first journey, he tells them not to take anything. Why? What's the point? Your father's your source. Your father is your store. That's why I think this instruction of Go into your storeroom. Go into your inner place and meet with your father. Why? Because our provision comes from God. We've all got bank balances and resources that we can pull on. Jesus is saying fundamentally, none of that stuff is secure. What is your surety? What's your secure source? It's God. It's God himself. When you pray, remember your source. Go into your storeroom. I remember when I first got called to be a, a, a pastor, I was working as an IT consultant, earning big money, and God called me to be a pastor. And Caroline and I both had issues with it. Our issues were different. I can't go into mine. It would take too long. But her issues were quite simple. This is a bait and switch, God. I married this wealthy IT guy, and he's called him to be a pastor. What's happened? <laughs> Where did this happen? And so uh, she was really wrestling with this. And she, she, I mean, she would admit if she were here, she's like, I knew that God would provide what we needed, but was he going to provide what we wanted? That was the issue. <laughs> I know he's going to provide the basics, but will he provide what we actually want? That's a whole different question. Anyway, she's wrestling with this in prayer, walking along one day on the pavement. She sees a five pound note, picks up the five pound note. God says to her, I've got this. I've got this. And he's provided for us faithfully. This is our 25th wedding anniversary next year. He's provided for us right the way through our lives. He is our source. So the second key to prayer, firstly, it's your motive. Get your heart right. You're praying to God. Firstly, it's motive. Secondly, it's he is your source. Think about that when you pray. Are you coming into the storeroom 
when you pray. Thirdly, it's the style of prayer. When you pray, don't babble on and on like the Gentiles. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Prayer in the non-Jewish world, the world around Jesus at the time, was all about incantations and repetitive prayers and saying the things over and over and getting it just right and, and using special phrases and secret phrases and it was on and on and on. This is what prayer was like and Jesus cuts across all of that. He is not forbidding long prayers. He himself prayed through the night on multiple occasions. He is not forbidding repeated prayers because he himself, in the, say, the Garden of Gethsemane, repeated the same prayer three times. He's not against either of those things. What he's against is superstitious prayer. That's the point. He's not against long prayer. He's against superstitious prayer. Getting your prayers just right and thinking if I just get the right words and the right combination and quote the right verse, then like a divine vending machine, out will pop the answer. <laughs> and so many of us as Christians can think like that, can't we? Like prayer is this vending machine. If I just get the right coins and the right words and the right phrases that will please God, pop them in, out comes my Coke. <laughs> out comes my answer. And Jesus is saying, that's superstitious prayer. Prayer is not a vending machine like that. The third thing, the third key is about style. And the key style is your style. You haven't got to have religious language and get it all right. It doesn't work like that. It's about relationship. One of my favorite stories from years ago, one of our um, prophetic guys who really uh, hears clearly from God, he was uh, Alpha, invited to our Alpha course, which is for new uh, people who are learning about Christianity. Every time we do that course, we have a team of people come in to hear God and to say, hey, we feel like God is saying this to you. And they often bring very accurate words that no one else could have known before. And it's a sign to people who are new. Wow, God, you know, God's speaking to me. It's an amazing evening. And um, you want to go now, don't you? It's, it's great. Anyway, so, so my friend was going along one night and he, he was praying in the room and he, he was drawn to a particular guy. And the Lord said to him, I want you to pick that guy out and say to him, all right, mate. And he was like, okay, and then what else do I say? He's like, no, no, just say, just say, all right, mate. And he's like, oh, you've got to give me more than that. That's terrible. I can't say God says to you, all right, mate. It's like rubbish. <laughs> he just had nothing else. The Lord just was not speaking to him. He's like, just say, all right, mate. So anyways, he gets up and he points him out and says, I really feel God speaking to you. And he says, and he was hoping that as he said it, he, the Lord would speak to him some more stuff. He thought maybe it's like a faith test, you know. And the Lord says to you, all right, mate. <laughs> And then he said, my mind just went completely blank and I had just, that was it. That's all I had. So I sat down a bit embarrassed, a bit sheepish. Anyway, at the end of the meeting, they found out this guy had been praying all week. And it's like, he'd never been to church before. This is his first experience. And he'd been praying all week. He'd been saying, God, I don't even know about this stuff. I don't even know how to talk to you. How should I even talk to you? And then that Tuesday, God picks him out and says, all right, mate. What's the point? The style is your style. The words are your words. He wants to speak to you as a man speaks to his friend. So easy, particularly for those which we're gathering with different cultures and some of us have been Christians years, some have been just, and it's so easy to feel like I've got to fit into a particular style. Wouldn't it be amazing to create a church where we pray in all different styles? That all sound different because of our different backgrounds and races and places we've come from and families, that we all bring our styles together and they all glorify God. What style? Your style. Bring your style of prayer to God. 
And the fourth thing is, the fourth key is trust in prayer. Reading on verse 8. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him. Pray like this, Jesus says. Prayer is rooted in trust. It's rooted in trust. Half the time, we pray for the wrong stuff. Anyone grateful that half your prayers haven't been answered? <laughs> it's just like, oh, dodged a bullet there. If he'd have answered that one, that would have been a nightmare. <laughs> We, we wrestle, we struggle with our prayers that aren't answered, but I worry more about the ones that are sometimes. <laughs> because the, the truth is this, we just don't know. God is the one who knows. And there is mystery, there is pain when prayer isn't answered. But the reality is we've got to be grateful that he's the one who's got this. He understands it. He is our father. And so when we come to him, we come, the bedrock that goes under all of that is what? Trust. That's what prayer is such a symbol of. It's such a sign that, God, we trust you. You know, if you go home and flick on the light switch and the light doesn't come on, do you, A, grab your head and beat it against the wall and say, I'm never using another light switch again? Or B, change the light bulb. Any, anyone go for B? So if you go for B and you change the light bulb and put a new light bulb in and still does not work... Do you, A, smash the old light bulb against your head, now bruised head, saying, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. Or B, go and check the fuse to see if it's fused. Anyone go for B? You prefer B? If, for example, the fuse is fine and the light's still not coming, in fact, you realize the whole house is dark, there's no electricity at all, do you, A, phone the electricity company and you press one if your name's Bob and two if it's Sheila and three if you're standing up and four if you're sitting down, you get through all of that and you get to the end of it and you, do you, when they answer the phone, do you say, I am never using electricity again, you're useless. Or do you, B, say, hey, there's a problem here because someone come and help me with the electricity supply. Anyone prefer B on those options? <laughs> Why is that? Why do you choose? Why is it so obvious which option you choose? It's obvious because fundamentally you trust in electricity. You believe in it, you think it's going to work, and you think there's got to be a problem here. Something's gone wrong and I don't quite understand it. Well, that's just a small picture of us and the universe. <laughs> when we pray, we come with trust. We fundamentally got, we, we recognize that, yeah, we, we, we don't get it all. We don't understand it, that God is moving lots of things and working lots of things. And the scripture says, all things are working together for good for those who love him and are together according to him. And we don't know how it all works. We just don't. We, we like to think we're like looking at the jigsaw and we know it where it all goes. We don't. The jigsaw is so complex. And it's got about a billion different dimensions and only God can put it all together. And ultimately, we'll all look back on our lives and say, you have done all things well. We don't get it from this side necessarily. And we think, why didn't you answer that prayer? Why did you answer that prayer? I don't get it. But fundamentally, what goes underneath all of that is our trust. Prayer is a, a foundation, a, key, a foundational key for prayer is our trust. Fifth key, the posture of prayer. Our Father in heaven Jesus says, may your name be kept holy. And I love that because it encompasses the secret of Christian prayer, which is this. On the one hand, you've got intimacy. And on the other hand, you've got reverence. Our Father in heaven, intimacy. And on the other hand, who is holy? Reverence. 
Go too far into the reverence, you end up with this distant God who's like too, too big and too busy to be bothered with you. <laughs> Go too far on the intimacy, you end up over-familiar. And, oh, God's me, God's me old, you know, he'll sort me out. <laughs> and actually, it's both. Intimacy and reverence. He is our Father who is holy. So often we start our prayer with the nature of our problem. Jesus says, start with the nature of your God. He's our Father who is holy. Come to him with the right posture. And as we do that, we have an extraordinary prayer life. And then lastly, the first priority of prayer, Jesus says, pray like this. We haven't got time to do the whole Lord's Prayer, but just the beginning of it. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The foundation of our prayer life should be this. As Jesus said elsewhere, seek first the kingdom of God and all this other stuff will be added to you. My problem is I like to bring all the other stuff and then, oh yeah, and pray for your kingdom as well. Anyone else in that boat? My other stuff list is so long. But Jesus said, flip that on its head. Seek first the kingdom of God. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. Should be our priority in our prayer life and we haven't got time to go into all of the what is the kingdom you can look on our website but we've done the whole messages on the kingdom of God but just simply to sum it up it's this the kingdom of God is not a place it's the reign of God that's why Jesus says may your will be done it's where God's will is perfectly done and the Bible says that one day that kingdom will come in all its fullness one day we will have no more tears and no more suffering and death itself will be gone Want anyone happy about that? <laughs> anyone want to dance on the grave of death? One day it'll all be over. God's kingdom will come perfectly. But in the meantime, he said, the kingdom of God is here. It's among you. It's actually within you. It's breaking in. So it's coming, but it's also on its right. It's also already here. It's both of those things. God's kingdom is breaking in. And, and in the, the scriptures, you can see seven signs of God's breaking in kingdom. You can read them in Luke 4. You can read them in the, through the book of Isaiah. Seven signs of God's kingdom. Seven signs that will be there perfectly one day, but we're seeing them breaking in. Salvation, justice, peace, joy, the presence of God, healing, comfort. When God's kingdom comes and when it comes into our lives and to the world around us, it brings those things. Anyone think those things would fix a few things around you? That's what we pray for. So when you pray for the kingdom of God, pray for those things because those things come when the kingdom comes. That is what the kingdom of God looks like. Those seven signs, and there are others, but those seven signs are foundational signs to God's kingdom breaking into the lives of those around us. Pray for that stuff when we seek the kingdom. Here's just a little excerpt from my, I keep a story journal of stories of God's kingdom breaking in, which I've kept for years. And just this is one little excerpt I was reading this morning. Came from about a year, across about a year, maybe, maybe a bit more, maybe a bit less. But this is what it says. A lady told me yesterday of an intestinal tumor. She received prayer and it's now gone. Happy days. A lady experienced immediate pain relief in her left foot after prayer on the streets. She now walks away. She walked away with no discomfort. Someone's back pain went after prayer this morning. A lady with chronic insomnia slept for seven hours straight as a result of prayer. A lady's neck was instantly healed after prayer. She'd been suffering after a car crash. A guy in Istanbul had no sense of smell. His full smell returned after prayer. A lady who was deaf in one ear now has only mild hearing loss. 
prayed for the manager of a coffee shop in the town centre after a, a word of knowledge about his back. His leg grew out at least an inch. <laughs> that was just the one little excerpt of God's kingdom coming, of his will being done. In, his, in heaven, God's will be done perfectly. But now we say, God, let it be. <laughs> We are those who stand in the gap, who yearn for it, who pray for it. And we know, as Billy Graham said, if we want our nation to get back up, we've got to get on our knees. We've got to call for God's kingdom to come. That's what Jesus taught us to do. So six foundations, six foundational keys to an extraordinary prayer life. Let's just look at them again very quickly. Look at your motive for prayer. Who are you praying for? Is it for God? Or is it for people? Secondly, look at the source of prayer. When you pray, do you come into the Father's storeroom? Look at the style of prayer. Whose style? Your style. Look at trust in your prayer. Do you come with a foundation, a bedrock of trust? Look at your posture of prayer. Is it intimacy and reverence? And look at the priority in your prayer life. Is it for God's kingdom to come? We're just really believing God that we're going to start an extraordinary prayer movement. And that might seem a bit out there. It might seem a bit, gosh, how do, we, how do we even believe God for that? How do we even do anything about that? And one group really helped me, and they said this, Simon, this is the reality. If you want to start extraordinary prayer, all you've got to do is take your ordinary prayer and add something extra to it. And then it's extraordinary. <laughs> Oh, it's just a play on words in English. <laughs> Ordinary prayer plus something extra makes it extraordinary for you. And then when that becomes ordinary, add something extra again. And then when that becomes ordinary, add something extra again. And suddenly, what have you got? You've got movement. Get enough people doing that together, you've got an extraordinary prayer movement. Does that feel a bit more accessible? <laughs> Take your ordinary prayer, how it is today, how it's been. Some of you may never have prayed before. Well, your ordinary is, I don't pray. Okay, we'll take that and add something extra to it. And then that's, when that becomes ordinary, add something extra again. Start, let's start moving as a community. Let's start moving forward in prayer and let's together create an extraordinary prayer movement.